Welcome to the 23rd and final episode of 2016. It's been a great year of recording the podcast. We've all had a blast and have been happy to hear all the positive feedback from our listeners. You are all the ones that keep motivating us to continue recording. And drinking. And drinking, that is a good point. (laughs) In today's episode, we will be talking about the growing JavaScript framework, Ember. We are joined by Stacey London, a software engineer from Atlassian, to help discuss advantages and disadvantages of using Ember. She's recently moved to the Bay Area, and we're excited to have her on the podcast. I'll let her give a brief introduction of herself. Stacy, can you help us give an introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? Sure. So uh, I'm Stacy London. I'm a front-end developer um, working on Bitbucket at Atlassian. And my favorite happy hour beverage is a whiskey old-fashioned sour. Ooh. All right, let's go around the table and give brief introduction of today's panelists. Brian, you want to start it off as you take a drink? <laughs> uh, my name is Brian Holt, and I'm an Ember intern. Uh, my name is Derek Charles, senior software engineer at LinkedIn. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix, and I'm probably an intern at Ember as well. Yeah. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Shit-faced. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what we were saying. We oh, decided framework. 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 That was my <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> so anytime we say the word framework, we will all take a drink. All right, let's get started. I figured it was probably the best way to start is what are the benefits of using Ember? It's a framework. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> So I, I think probably, I mean, I haven't done nearly as much React as some of the people in this room, but, um, or, or um, Angu- I haven't done really any Angular, but um, just to kind of contrast a little bit, and I'm sure we'll get into this more later, but I think the one of the advantages that I've, one of the advantages that I've seen working with Ember is just um, how easy it is to get started, uh, especially with their CLI tool. Um, you just say Ember, you just type Ember new in a terminal and um, you're, you have an Ember app running with a server and everything. So I know more, you know, so I think um, React has something similar that they copied. started doing. Yeah, just blatantly <laughs> copied. Yeah, <so>. React <laughs> added that app. <laughs> I, th- I think that's one advantage. And I guess the other advantage and the reason, I think the primary reason that we chose it at LinkedIn is is because Mi- it's... Microsoft. Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> it was LinkedIn. <laughs> It's just that it's very opinionated, opinionated, which is what some people don't like about it. But I think it does help to keep everyone on the same page. So it's uh, a lot easier to move laterally from team to team. Uh, everyone's kind of working at the same code base. And uh, also, like, if somebody knows Ember and we need more people and we need to hire people, you know, we can hire somebody that's done a lot of Ember outside of LinkedIn and come in and, and uh, pretty much be able to start and ship code right away. I think that is a huge benefit is that being so prescriptive, it's the exact same way. So if you're writing it at LinkedIn and another company's writing it somewhere else, it's the exact same thing. Yep. I think I would add to that too, the, um, the upgrade path for Ember seems to be a little, I think it's a little bit of a benefit over some of the other things that I've seen. I haven't built anything with uh, Angular per se, but I avoided it specifically because of reading about possible upgrade you know, trauma. Yeah, trauma is a good way especially to put it. Now, especially now is going from Angular 1 to Angular 2. But we, yeah, we, I had pretty good experience with the doing some of the upgrades and seeing like deprecation warnings and being able to like prepare for them ahead of time. And I thought it was uh, very well done, like really developer focused, which is cool. Yeah. And they have, and there's, there's a, I don't really think it's 
publicized all that well, but they do have um, blueprints for Ember CLI, so you can kind of con- you can compare the two versions of Ember. So if you're em- upgrading Ember from like 2.5 to 2.8 or something, you can go to these blueprints, and it's basically just like a newly generated Ember app. But um, you can look in uh, at their GitHub repo and see like, okay, these are exactly the dependencies that I need to change, and these are the things I need to change in my app, like boilerplate code and stuff like that. So. Um, it's super easy. It gets a little tricky when you have different dependencies, like on, when you scale out, basically. And that's, that's I think, one of the issues that we've run into at LinkedIn is is uh, everything's really easy when it's small, but when you get into a larger app, it gets uh, slightly more confusing, which is just difficult. I think one thing that's kind of cool, too, that I liked about it when I was using it is it has, like, built-in testing tools right in it within the CLI. Yeah. I yeah, thought that was uh, actually really handy. Is it still QUnit? Yeah. Yeah, it's still QUnit. Yeah. Yeah. But you can, wow. easily, you can easily change it. Why? But, yes, the default is QUnit. Wow. Okay. Sorry, I'll stop. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I'm with you. I, was, I wasn't I was happy about that when I was using it, but I switched to Mocha. Yeah. It I, was a fairly easy I remember when they change. announced that they were standardizing on QUnit, and I just like felt the collective developer world roll their eyes. of like, oh, why QUnit? <laughs> it does have a really good community behind it. I think it, one thing that I kind of like differing between Angular and React is it's not a company-driven framework. Is Cheers. <laughs> but yeah, you don't have it backed by a company and they're not making all the decisions. It's a community making those decisions. Yeah, I would add to the community part of it too, because I started with Ember about a year and a half ago and um, I went to EmberConf for the first time this last year in Portland. And to me, the community has been extremely friendly and like really welcoming. There's been kind of a hesitancy from my part to like, jump into open forums and be a part of like the internet at large for stuff just because of like women in tech things are kind of scary sometimes and the ember community has been extremely friendly like i went into the ember uh, js community slack and everyone i posted some questions and everyone was like here's some answers and help right away and so that i really appreciated that and um leah silver has been doing a lot of that community outreach stuff and like organizing stuff i went to like a, a women's lunch that was at the ember conf and just stuff like that felt really great. Like I went to that conference by myself. I didn't know anybody and everyone was super nice. And so community wise, I thought it was a really great community. That makes a huge difference too, is like having people actually helping you and like wanting to help and not shaming you for not knowing. Yeah. Like that's a shitty feeling. Right. Yeah. That's a pretty small, tight knit community. I mean, small in comparison to perhaps other frameworks. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that like, in between the like community itself, it's it's been super welcoming, super friendly. I've personally noticed, and maybe this is just me being an asshole on Twitter. Well, it's probably Brian <laughs> being an asshole on Twitter, but they're not super. And I I'm generalizing just everyone because that's a good thing to do. <laughs> but like I, they're not super open to criticism sometimes. <laughs> like uh, I've made some criticisms of Ember of some of the technical decisions of some of the community decisions, and particular members of the community haven't been super. Super stoked about that. No, I mean, not that anyone particularly likes to be criticized, but fuck them. I was going to say, like, what, which community is open to you criticizing them? Uh, my manager? <laughs> no, he no, doesn't uh, like it either. Uh, yeah, that guy's an asshole. <laughs> I guess when you have, uh, it's kind of going back with uh, to what you said about having like a smaller community, and with that, with having a smaller community, I think you have maybe a little bit more egos from the people that are like. Mm-hmm. Controlling the framework, or what? I don't know. Controlling is the right word. But, Cheers. Um, <laughs> yeah. Great keyword. Dangerous keyword. Yeah. No, I think that's that's astute. You get some groupthink. I mean, I, I think 
no small community nor large communities immune from groupthink. And I think that's, I think Ember has some struggles with that sometimes. Yeah. Ember also has, like, from what I've seen and any of the stuff when I, I was only using it on like a small project, but there was a lot of great extensions available that people Definitely. have already written. That was one thing that I found really cool. And they were obviously really easy to add through the CLI tool. Yeah, with plugins, it's super easy. You just Ember install whatever plugin, and and uh, the community is large enough that you know there's at least a plugin available for most of the things that you that you you would want. Yeah, and they just most of the ones that I've used have always just worked. Yeah. Like there's never been a for me like an issue where I had to troubleshoot forever after doing that install. So that was nice. The other cool thing about it is it's a really good way. Even the core team uses it, uses it as a way to introduce new features into the framework. There's an RFC process, but I mean, to like, for instance, the A11Y that probably should be part of Ember core is not, but right now it's still a, a uh, Ember add-on. The same thing with Ember Fastboot. There's a bunch of them. There's also a rewrite to the resolver that, uh, Nathan Hammond was working on on the CLI team. So, but anyway, it's not part of the core team, so they're able to like test it, kind of test it in a way with it being an add-on, and then eventually move it into the to um, the Ember core. Or team. like the the reverse of that, where if you relied on views for some reason, um, oh, yeah. for like an, an, another add-on, like we're still was using views, but you wanted to get it out of the main yeah. main framework, you could install it as like a separate add-on and Juice. still have that. Back <laughs> <in the> <laughs> So, Derek, what's Fastboot? So it's it's their version of server-side rendering. Um, I honestly don't know, say, I don't know if you have any experience with it. I don't have a ton of experience with it because at LinkedIn we kind of have our own version of server-side rendering right now. But I think we're hoping to move to uh, Fastboot um, once it does everything we need it to do. So I know there are limitations. I just don't know all the limitations. Right before I, I left uh, my last place, I was using Ember. We had started talking about possibly bringing in Fastboot and using it and we hadn't tried experimenting or anything with it yet so it was sort of like we were, it was on the horizon we were interested in it but we didn't actually do any installs and test it out well and Fastboot hasn't always existed right that's fairly new yeah within the past year yeah I think so mm-hmm. I'm interested too probably more from Stacy and Derek but Brian and I both I guess interns on this oh, I'll chime in. what advice would you give to someone starting with Ember use react <laughs> I'm kidding. That, that was a joke. I guess looking back at when I first got into it, I think there were, I didn't find a lot of tutorials at the time that were kind of helpful. And then I found on Frontend Masters, there was uh, Mike North did a, a pretty good one that was helpful. And that, that, unfortunately, it's behind a paywall. So like, it's tough if you're a new person and you don't have an account or you can't afford it or your, your employer's not going to pay for it or that kind of thing. Um, but that one was, was really good. And I think more of that um, helps, I think, new people to kind of visually see someone set up the new app and go through it. And the Ember CLI has great docs for getting a new app going. I guess the best advice, and this is for like despite any framework, doesn't matter which one it is. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, just to pick something that you want to build that solves a problem for you and then try and build it with that framework. Like, Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I keep, keep saying it over and over. Because that way you start to, you learn it because it's, um, it's solving a problem for you. So you start to um, map those things in your brain a little bit faster, I think. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. I think the um, documentation is super good on Ember. There's actually a, um, one of the cool things that they recently did is broke up the core team into their into different part, part parts. Or so they have Ember CLI, the like Ember Core, and then um, Ember Data. 
Ember Data, and then they have a team that's dedicated just to learning and development. They're in, in, you know, they oversee the documentation, they oversee like conferences and and um, and uh, some of the meetups that Stacy was talking about. So, I think that helps to helps them get into a place where they have some pretty good documentation. Uh, Ember, they have kind of like API documentation, and they have just guides that you can read through and get a really good understanding on how everything works. The other thing that I found, and maybe this is because I'm working on, on an app that's relatively large, is that. Starting out, I think you just need to go through the docs and just follow them and and don't be so concerned with all of these nuances and like there, there's a lot of like I think just because it is so opinionated and there, everything is so abstracted that there's a lot of magic that happens. So then there's on top of that a lot of things that are out there that okay, well, yeah, this magic's great, but in order to be super performant, you should do this. And then it's it's really hard to grasp the core concepts of the framework. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was always like what I struggled with with Ember was the magic. And I think it's coming from Rails, right? Like, Oh, I mean, the CLI tool is totally built off of Rails. Well, I mean, or like, or not it, built off of it, but uh, inspired. inspired by it. Well, and, and like Yehuda Katz and all them, they all came from yeah, Rails. Ember as well. in general has a lot of similar concepts. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, you create like some primitive, I forgot what they're called, but then it just scaffolds up like 10 more things automatically called by the same name. Now that's awesome if you know that's happening, but it's like freaks you out. It's like, wait, I, I never created this. Why is this here? Where did it come from? And it just has some magic name that you just have to know what to call it by. And that was always really hard for me. Like I, I used to write Django and I had like enough problems with Django with that kind of stuff, but I felt like Ember kind of took that to the extreme. But by the same token, what, what causes me discomfort about it is it also helps you be super productive, right? Because you create one thing and 10 things scaffold out for you. Now you could have written the code to scaffold out those 10 things, but you just, why don't let the framework do it for you? Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> It's not specific to Ember, more in the fact of any framework you're using, cheers, <laughs> is you need to know how to write JavaScript. You really have to understand that. Something like Ember, and I feel like Angular is very similar in that way too, is that there's a lot of magic that's happening, and that's great. But when it starts, when you start having problems and you don't really know how to debug, you really have to understand how to write just vanilla JavaScript. And I think that's kind of a disadvantage of sometimes having these tools that help you write JavaScript is that you rely heavily on them. But I think as a beginner, knowing some JavaScript, I think is really important. Yeah. So you set the stage for exactly what I was going to say and a, um, something to watch out for is kind of a little bit of a reverse of what I just said about worrying about the, you know, some of the. Um, smaller things and just using the framework. But I, I also think that at the end of the day, it's just JavaScript. So I've heard so many times people say, well, I don't know how to do this in Ember. And a lot of times it's just a JavaScript question. And then the other thing is like, sometimes just use JavaScript instead of using all these fancy Ember, you know, API. So a really good example in Ember is computed properties. Computed properties are everywhere. It's kind of like, it's basically their version of observables. Um, That's but cool. They're cool, right? But you don't need to use them if you're not, if you don't have any sort of like, binding to it if, if nothing's observing it right so but everyone when a lot of people when they're starting to write ember they're just like oh i have to use a computer property because that's what ember wants me to do is use comp computer property for everything if you're just imagining if you're just managing like state or a flag or something in, some, in one of your components you don't need to use a computer property for that you it's know like depending on the circumstance yeah, yeah for sure so just write plain javascript what are some disadvantages of using ember well i mean it's a framework <laughs> <laughs> <Cheers>. <laughs> 
And the nature of being that as compared to something like Angular and React, Angular and React aim to provide you more primitives, right? They're basically giving you additional builder building blocks to build your application that you essentially build your own framework. <laughs> That's a good keyword because you literally can't dance around it. You have to say that particular word. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> I tried to say the word tool to replace yeah, it, but it doesn't feel right. Nope, it was wrong. You're a tool. <laughs> So that's what Angular and React do. They kind of give you the, the tools to build your own, right? As opposed to Ember, which aims to like, okay, here's the entire structure of your app, and we're going to basically lay down rails, right? Hence Ruby on Rails kind of thing, right? We're going to lay down the rails for you to be able to write this CRUD app as fast as possible. So if you're, doing, if you're drawing within the lines, right? If you're writing an Ember app, which is basically CRUD, right? Which is basically most apps, right? You can write an Ember way faster than you could ever write an Angular React. I think that's a pretty well-accepted fact, right? The minute that you try and draw outside the lines, it gets really hard. You have to start knowing like more and more things about the framework. Cheers. Shit. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> more and more about Ember itself. You need to know about more about the internals to hook into all the different places that you need to. So you need to pull back some of the layers of the magic to hook into the internals, and that's that's tough. That's hard. I think. No, that makes sense. And I think even just how we talked about some of the benefits being Ember being so prescriptive is in some ways that can be a negative if you want to actually have a lot more control over what tools you're using in the project is that you're getting a lot of the stuff for free that's just there when you build an Ember project. Now you're you're not really sure of what's all there is. You don't have as much flexibility even going back to like the testing framework is if you just take the default, well, that's what you're getting. Yep. And, and that's where I think it comes down to really making a decision based on what you're trying to build. And, you know, so maybe the two extremes, and you can do this with any framework, but I'm not saying you have to be limited. But Cheers, let's, Cheers. But, uh, <laughs> let's say you want to do like a quick, you know, music app or something, right? You know, and it's it's a single, you want it to be a single, the whole thing to be like just a single page experience, uh, single page app experience. And, you know, maybe Ember is the best decision for that. But let me, let's say you have something that's, um, that you still have like, you know, page refreshes between different 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 sections of your site and, uh, and uh, you want interactive elements all over the place. You know, React might be a better... Obviously, you can use both for each one of those situations, but I think just knowing, that's why it just is really advantageous to know the advantages and disadvantages of these frameworks. Cheers. And libraries. <laughs> if I remember, I'm just going to keep my drink right yeah, here. Seriously. Yeah, seriously. If I remember correctly, you have to use the router to use Ember, right? Like yeah. It's just like it's a must. Even if you are on one page, you still yeah. have to now use Ember. I think that's uh, changing. So What's I think it? they are trying to separate the, the stuff out which is good because really if you're just doing one page not a single page but just doing one page you yeah. don't really need a router there's no reason yeah. for it at that point it is worth saying though that the ember router is awesome right like it's one of the best okay, parts great. of it to the point that we in the react community pretty much copied it with react router right yeah and i still think embers is probably still better oh yeah i mean yeah. it was that's the original right yeah. it's, the, it's the og <laughs> <laughs> to add to one of the things that i found surprisingly difficult was something that seemed would be very simple and just like vanilla HTML and CSS and JavaScript was uh, uploading files to a server. That seemed like it should be something that's fairly like straightforward. But with Ember, I actually struggled, struggled with it quite a bit because I was working with Ember data and I needed a particular model that was associated with that file upload to know about it. And in order to be able to know that the server, you know, got the file and everything was successful, I actually had to do some really kind of weird tricks to like trick Ember data into thinking that the model had actually saved and I couldn't just do like a normal like model dot save. So there's some workarounds there where like the framework kind of got in my way. 
Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> the good thing is that if somebody else has already had that problem, all they have to do is build an adapter. They can create an add-on, and it's there. So that's that's really cool. Like so, for instance, even with Firebase, um, I built an, like a app with Firebase, and you just install this. It's Ember. It's called Ember Fire, and you have your entire adapter layer that's done for you. You don't have to worry about setting up any of the uh, Ember data stuff, which is really cool. Adapters are a really, really cool idea too. I wish that we, like, there was a separate, like, API client that like had that same idea into it. Yeah. That you could just swap out adapters, like, okay, I'm just going to be doing it locally because I'm on a plane now, and then I'm going to swap my yeah. adapter, and then it's going to be ready against my API server. I think it's a really cool idea. Yeah, like, I had, I actually had this, this the same app I had working with Parse, and then Parse turned into well, it got uh, shut down by facebook so switched it over to um firebase and it was all it was was switching Bastards. the adapter fucking facebook they never give us anything cool <laughs> <laughs> one thing i will say and you guys can disagree with me but I disagree I, use ids <laughs> no no ids <laughs> but i actually don't think something like ember or angular is the best one to use for learning JavaScript. Been asked this lots. I would lean to using React just because you're actually writing a lot of JavaScript and having to understand what you're having to do. There isn't that magic. And I think that's one disadvantage for Ember. I completely agree. Yeah, I would agree with that too. I've seen that a lot with like um, people referring to themselves as Angular devs, which is sort of interesting way to it, like, it is an interesting like way. refer to yourself and then, yeah, not having that kind of base layer of javascript understanding I've seen technical interviews where i've asked a question and the person answering the question does it in angular and they're just reliant so heavily on what the magic is that's happening behind the scenes and that's problematic is they don't really understand javascript at that point mm-hmm. yeah i think that it seems like that happens more with angular but maybe it's just that more people use angular but like for instance uh, you know i've gotten that in an interview so many times so like somebody will be writing on a whiteboard and they'll put ng tags over all over the place and like you know but i've never had that happen with ember but you know it's probably i just, i think the difference though is that at least ember is using some uh, templating like I, well i don't know i don't know what the reason is you know i like the template that was we haven't even talked about that but i like the templating language i, uh, I in don't Ember. like handlebars no but they've now actually changed it to html bars right yeah, no, but what's the new one glimmer called? but it's html bars it's html bars yeah. okay yeah glimmer is like the engine underneath it gotcha i actually like handlebars i have no problem with it i've used it for so many different projects in even node apps i've used handlebars and i like it maybe it's because i used mustache for so many years yeah that's probably that's why probably yeah. why it's better it's better than that jsx shit <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe that you would say that <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just trolling I, I know you're trolling me <laughs> fucking microsoft <laughs> I thought, I guess one of the things I thought was interesting about Ember and the way that it was set up with not emulating the JSX pattern of having your different layers of separation, like not being separated anymore, was that if you had designers, and maybe this isn't true because I haven't actually worked on a React app yet, but if you had designers that were comfortable in HTML and CSS and like getting into the code base and actually working like side by side with uh, the engineers, that the Ember app seemed like it would be really set up pretty nicely for that to happen in a way that they it would be easy for them to work in that way whereas i'm not sure and maybe you guys can it would it would take a, certainly some direction it would take I, yeah i think that's astute yeah you're you're right on that since we we're talking a lot about react and angular and ember together 
why would you choose Ember over React and Angular? Obviously, React is a better route, but <laughs> just kidding. But honestly, why would you choose Ember over Angular and React? The logo is the reason oh, that you pick. Honestly, the Tom- logo? Tomster or Zoe is the reason you yeah. pick. Yeah, honestly, they're pretty that great. <laughs> I have one of the little plushies. It's not my desk anymore. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, if you're starting a new project and you want to get the project out as soon as possible, the best thing you can do for your team is just pick what your team already knows, right? Like that first and foremost, like that's number one, two, three, and four on the list of things that you should consider when choosing a framework. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Beyond that, I think Ember's a really good choice. One for like beginner devs and to an intermediate dev team because it kind of puts everyone on the same track and it kind of forces them into the same track. Like if you want to draw outside the lines in Ember, like you have to try and you have to know what you're doing or else it's really hard to do it. If you want to, you know, fuck up an Angular app, it's like two lines of code, right? <laughs> like it's super easy to do. And then beyond that, I just like react because I do. That's it. I'd love to hear Stacey and Derek defend that one a little bit. I think I've already said it and, and I agree with what Brian was saying too. It's, it's very easy. To, well, I guess this isn't what you were saying. Uh, I was just, it's just very easy to get set up. And I do agree that it's it's good for definitely like a beginner intermediate team to keep everyone on the same page keep everything consistent you know I, I really like speaking from I think why the decision was made at LinkedIn is we did come from uh, a point where we had our own flavor of a framework Cheers. Cheers. Um, which was backbone and we built on top of it and we made it our own we called it li backbone and uh, we uh, we got to, yeah I know right um, now is it called ms backbone <laughs> <laughs> Better yet, it's it's deprecated. It was, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> in true Windows fashion. <laughs> I do like that. It's kind of a complete 180. Now we're we're building something, and then um, able to do everything that we build. We're able to contribute back to this um, framework. And okay. uh, <laughs> now you know you don't have somebody that's that's built this uh, proprietary version of this framework. Damn it! Brian, <laughs> <laughs> worth it. Sitting in a corner somewhere, you know, you have a, a very well documented, what's, what's another word for it? Uh, tool, tool. <laughs> that is very easy to onboard people. It's uh, very easy to, to, to move people around, to work on different products, to start new products. Um, so it's that part of it's definitely worked out really well. Yeah, I guess I would say like a few companies back, I had choice of saying like, we, the company as a whole shall use this framework. And it was a, tough, it was a really tough decision. And at the time, Backbone to me made sense, but... Uh, cause it was, I felt like it was maybe baby steps, like not super prescriptive, but prescriptive enough that it would start to get the company going towards like single page apps in a good way. But the tough part came because it was like so many people that had come from a lot. There's a lot of Microsoft. So a lot of .NET, oh, a lot of, worst. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of ASP.NET background. So like that, that was where a lot of the devs were coming from. And there's prescriptiveness to that, that, that was familiar. And so backbone was sort of prescriptive, but maybe not enough. And I kept getting tons of questions about, Hey, do you have a how to guide on how to like set up our new backbone app? And I was like, oof, uh, well, you know, what, what do you, what do you need? What are you trying to solve? And here's your 12 ways to solve the problem. (laughs) Yeah. And like, how do I create this guide? That's just the one answer for this question. So I think Ember made, I, w- I probably should have picked Ember, I think, at that point in time. That would have made it like a better choice because it would have had more prescriptiveness to it that would have answered those questions without me having to do the work to figure it out. But yet, 
So like kind of that, you know, intro to medium skill level, like front end dev that would have, I think, met that need a lot. Better. But even then, it sounds like probably when you chose that and made that decision, Amber probably wasn't that big at the time. It was pretty new. Like Amber yeah. data was probably beta, not even beta. I mean, it might, I don't think it existed. Yeah. So Which I think you made the responsible choice is choosing something that's super new is probably not yeah. the best idea. Then you have to deal with all the headaches in yeah. your company. Right. You'd have to refactor to use Ember data, those kind of things. Yeah. Right? yeah. 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 I think scale is an interesting thought too, because I think that that, so we've kind of gone through, at least since I've been at LinkedIn, we've kind of gone through some stages where everyone's kind of doing their own thing and each team's able to pick their own technologies to work with their own stack. And, and that's, that's cool. But with over 3000 engineers, it gets a little bit difficult to scale um, when everyone's working on different, especially since in my opinion, anyway, infrastructure is always underinvested in. So, you know, it helps to have one stack that you can support and you know, there's a lot of people that don't agree with that, but I think that that's just one of the disadvantages to working for a bigger organization. So I think that choosing something like Ember helps, can help with that. Getting to that point is you have a large company at LinkedIn, and if you're on one group or project, I don't know how you're all split up, but is if my team is writing Ember and your team's writing Ember and I want to move to your team, I can pretty much just jump in fairly easily and i think that is that's pretty powerful is i don't have to ramp up and figure out how you're doing it it's fairly consistent across the board yeah and even for the infrastructure teams too right like I, what a lot of people don't realize about linkedin is you have linkedin.com but then you have other apps that are just as big if not bigger i have huge teams supporting them like the recruiter product which is an enterprise essentially an enterprise product you know but so it's a completely different product but it helps to have shared infrastructure support between those two um, stacks or between those two products. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm not saying necessarily that Ember scales well. That's a different topic. I don't. What What about it? Doesn't it scale well? No, I just you know I think that with all of its magic, it has a lot of bloat and it can be slow. And I don't think that it's really been scaled to the point where LinkedIn, at least, has has is is pushing it to right. So there's a lot of stuff that we're running into that hasn't necessarily been considered and dealt with before, uh, which is cool. I like, it's cool to be a part of, of that. And I think it's great for the framework. <laughs> <laughs> Would you consider it an ambitious web app? It is, it is very uh, ambitious. Uh, ambitious. <laughs> I like that. And as you know, there's really not that many sites out there that that are big sites that are written in Ember. I think LinkedIn's the biggest. LinkedIn's definitely the biggest. LinkedIn, yeah. I don't think there's anything really even close. You know, um, React's a completely different story. So there. is it a perf issue or is it a like architecture like how you built your app issue like that makes it hard for many people to work on perf issue it's a perf issue okay that's the first time i've heard that of ember having perf issues like time to first paint or more yeah like i mean uh, even like we were talking about ember fast boot ember fast boot's not fully flushed out but you know when you have a huge app that you're trying to i mean i guess it's also it also goes back to is single page well it doesn't go back to we never talked about it but it goes to the question of is a single page app the way to go for a huge site and i think that's maybe a completely different topic that we can talk about in another episode yeah, but probably a whole episode but with ember you're kind of forced and like we talked about a bit because of the, the router router yeah you're kind of forced to have a single page app so it's uh, not a bad thing but it, yeah it, it kind of prescriptive in that sense yeah it makes deep linking and it, it creates a whole lot of problems and when you don't have a really good solution for server-side rendering the page which linkedin does not i mean not sorry well linkedin doesn't but because <laughs> ember doesn't then it gets a little difficult i think that was one thing that, going back to some of the disadvantages early on is Ember didn't have a solution for server-side rendering. So if you actually wanted to server-side render, you couldn't. There wasn't a way to do it. Now with Fastboot, that 
has been solved. It's, it's coming around, yeah. Yeah, which is great. But I know that was one advantage of React was the fact that you could server-side render it. Yeah, out of the box. Huge. Derek, you kind of mentioned Glimmer. What's Glimmer and what changed with Glimmer 2? Good question, Ryan. <laughs> so it's the rendering engine. So I, obviously I think there was that uh, React came up with, you know, the DOM diffing algorithms that you know, produce this amazing speed to like, you know, repaint your screen faster. So that was, that's the response. Like Glimmer's the response to that. It has been very f- speedy according to certain speed tests. So like when I was at Ember Confly in Portland this last year, there was, you know, this, the keynote talking about how this engine's going to um, speed up that stuff by quite a bit and even like beat react and certain like speed tests that they were doing about the diffing. Uh, algorithm. So I think the diffing algorithm is what is different. So Glimmer, like as opposed to some of the DOM diffing algorithms, and that's that's the, I think the biggest I guess difference is to other frameworks. Nice. Cheers. So triple equals and not DOM diffs is uh, I guess yeah. the, the difference. But. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. I think like that that actually highlights the point that I think is one of the strengths of the Ember core team and, and Ember in general is that they're very adaptive. Like they look at uh, like what other frameworks are doing. Cheers. Every oh. time. <laughs> <laughs> what other libraries and such are doing, and they take the best things and just pillage them and bring them in and say like we invented this. Just kidding. They don't say that, <laughs> but they do take the best parts of what other teams are doing and they bring that into Ember. And I think that's probably probably their greatest strength in terms of that because like that's what where glimmer glamour whatever the fuck it's called <laughs> <laughs> and even taking like the ruby cli and and implementing something yeah similar. absolutely yeah i know you're just kidding but they're actually quite open to that i watched the the keynote from last year's ember conf and and they kind of went through all the new stuff to that has come to ember and we're very honest and upfront about you know the the virtual dom working really well for react and you know ember needed that i saw yehuda give a talk at web unleashed in toronto i think this was 2014 great talk and i was just when he was talking about glamour glimmer i'm looking at <laughs> stacy is it glimmer glimmer <laughs> i want to call it glamour now. Yeah, glamour there's another library called glamour for css okay, no, it's definitely glimmer definitely glimmer yeah. glimmer okay yeah. i want to keep calling it glamour and he gave a talk about how Yehuda in particular appreciated the one-way data flow in React. He's like, this is great, and we don't have it, like, and, and we need it. So how are, we, how are we going to take this, right? And that's where kind of the ideas that came up with Glamour. We should have called Glamour the keyword. That would have been a good one. Oh, <laughs> and, and brought that into Ember, and I think that's definitely one of the best parts about Ember, Glamour. It's glamour is the best part. I kind of like. I like the. I like the acronym the best. Dow, Dow, data down, actions up. It sounds yeah. like a new religion. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Stacy's the prophet. All hell, Stacy. How does Ember contribute back to JavaScript? I would be interested to hear people's thoughts on like how Ember actually helps JavaScript. Uh, I really think that their RFC process is pretty innovative. I don't know if they got it from anywhere, but certainly other communities have adopted it from them. And I'm thinking in particular Rust. Rust took it from Ember. And now everyone's copying Rust. Like Rust is like the the model of like how to run an open source community. And I think almost, I don't say almost all, but very many of their ideas were taken from the Ember community. Like they were kind of like the incubator for this idea of, of the RFC process. So RFC stands for request for change. Is that is that true? And someone comes in basically says like, hey, I have this awesome idea for Ember. It should have laser beams. And, and people are like, yeah, cool. Like, we definitely need laser beams and glamour. 
then like it goes through like a process and then it gets adopted in the framework but i think it's awesome that they just have this like prescribed place of, like we want your ideas please come give it to us i'm gonna go in tonight and open a pull request to rename glimmer to glamour <laughs> with laser beams and hopefully that'll that'll get pushed through but they're very open with their community they very like they're very in, in, inviting that everyone can contribute everyone can have a good idea and i think that's pretty awesome yeah even swift has a very similar process which they probably got it from from ember uh, as well from glamour glamour yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i want to i want to work glamping into this somehow oh, that's good. i like that that can be your pick <laughs> framework camping and cheers <laughs> <laughs> One last question to end the episode before we go into picks is who are the best people in the Ember community to follow? Obviously, Yehuda Katz. Yehuda Katz, definitely. So I'd say brace yourself for the trolling, but I also like Tom Dale. Uh, He's super smart. He asks very applicable questions and he's going to piss you off at some point, right? He's like the Kyle Simpson of the Ember community. (laughs) (laughs) Stefan Penner. He's very patient. I, I watch him engage in lots of things on Twitter and the open source communities. Seems to be very, very patient and calm and keeps pushing it, things forward. So, yeah. People that I work with that are also on the core team, uh, Nathan Hammond, Robert Jackson, Chad Hytella. Yeah, all of them are, are, I follow them all on Twitter. They all have great stuff to say. Should we follow Derek Showers and Stacey London? Probably, yeah, follow Stacey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leia Silber, she does a lot of great, you know, community outreach and organization, does whole EmberConf stuff, so she's great to follow. Uh, and then Brendan uh, McLaughlin does a lot of great work on Ember data. I would also say Five Tanley, F I V E. Oh, yeah. Tan- yep. He works on Ember data. He's a fucking phenomenal guy. He's super awesome to hang out with. Uh, originally from Utah, so I have to plug him, right? Lauren Tan. Sugar Pirate. Sugar Pirate. Yeah. Yeah, she's phenomenal. Also brace yourself for trolling, but I also like Eric Brin. He, he's a good dude. I just love getting him and like Jaffer Hussein in an argument and just listening to the fireworks, right? Like you just learn a ton of stuff because they both really know their shit. They just vehemently disagree on many topics, right? Just basically Eric Brin and, and almost every anyone else. Because <laughs> yeah, he's super good at shit. He used to contract with Netflix. Yeah, he did actually. Yeah. You're right. All right. As we wrap up today's episode, what are this episode's picks? Brian, what do you have for us? Uh, I'm going to pick Webpack 2, uh, which I've been having a grand old time minifying my builds and all doing all sorts of cool stuff like that. Uh, I'm going to pick Preact. I've been having a ton of fun with Preact as well. And basically al- almost a drop-in replacement. You can go from like 80K to 8K if you're doing like 100% React replacement. We totally miss Mike North, but I'll, I'll plug Mike North as well. Oh, yeah, right on. My pick is his course on Frontend Masters, which... You already talked about, but I'll I'll pick that. I like how you picked all non-Ember things except for Mike. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, Mark, Mike's a good dude. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I had already talked about this, but I can't find it anywhere in the past. So I apologize if it's a duplicate. But Ember Twiddle, uh, if you go to ember-twiddle.com, or I think if you go to Ember Twiddle, just without the dash, you can get to it. But it's basically like a JS bin, but it already includes everything that you need for Ember, and it's set up the same way that you would get uh, an Ember CLI app. It's really, really cool just to play around with. That is totally new to me. I've never seen that before. I've used it a ton for trying to replicate problems. If I had like an issue with something, I'm like, here's my problem. And yeah, it's, sent it in with a GitHub issue. And yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, you can just create a gist out of it. So, um, and then you can just send it. Uh, that's so cool. Yeah. 
the blog I was talking about earlier that I wanted to save for my pick is the Dockyard. Um, so they're, I think they're like an agency in Boston or something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. Um, but they, they run have, uh, Wicked Wicked Ember, right? Yeah. Sugar Pirate, like East Sword. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Though they have a lot of great content. If you just go to their um, go to their site and click on blog, you can usually when you search for things Ember related, you'll get an article from Dockyard, and that like you can guarantee is good content. But they have a lot of good stuff, and it's it's always really helpful. And then the the last thing is uh, I think we talked about it at one point in the episode, but the Ember um, community Slack channel is super helpful. Um, like I think you said, Stacy, it's like you go on there and ask a question, and Robert Jackson replied to me, and he was like on a airplane ready to take off and he's like helping me fix like a unit test thing so they're really really helpful everyone's really really helpful in there um, and it's really cool that the core team gets involved with yeah you just can't use it for any sort of reference because they don't pay for the actual version of yeah, slack so it only has search. like yeah it only, has it only like the last like a thousand mess- that's fine the only Whatever. thousand messages so it's basically like that day but uh, but yeah no it's great to get questions answered Stacy, what do you have for your picks? All right, so I didn't do any Ember-specific picks, so hopefully that's all. Don't worry, I didn't That's either. okay. <laughs> so my picks are CSS Grid. Uh, so Chrome Canary and Firefox Nightly, they turn those on. They turn that on by default, so it's not behind a flag anymore. Um, I got super excited about it, uh, seeing Jen Simmons do a uh, Mondrian demo at an event apart in Chicago recently, and it was... One of the few talks I've ever been to, like a tech talk, where people are like clapped, like in the middle of it, like <laughs> like awesome. al- almost standing ovation. Like this, this is this is amazing. So I'm really excited about that. And then my second pick is Girl Develop It or GDI. Hell yeah! And I'm super excited about that. I just moved to San Francisco from Milwaukee, and in Milwaukee, I started to get involved with that, and I, I taught a intro introduction to JavaScript class. Uh, in Milwaukee for GDI, and it was super, it was great. It was really rewarding, and I think it's a really great way to to get people interested in tech and not have to spend a ton of money to do it. So it's a great organization. Awesome. I have actually three picks, but they're not related to Ember at all. They're more entertainment. Glad I could uh, share some Ember-related picks. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> Which is good. So first is actually a podcast, which is called Crime Town. It's called Front and Happy Hour. Well, Front and Happy Hour is a very good podcast. You should be listening to it. Crime Town is a podcast that's put together by Gimlet Media. It's in its first season, uh, which is all about the corruption and organized crime in Providence. Very interesting. That's the first season. Apparently, they're going to do other countries. It's or, like The Wire. Yeah, That's a good way to describe it. It's really interesting so far. I definitely recommend it. Second pick is a Netflix original documentary, which is Hip Hop Evolution, which That's is good. It's only four episodes, though. I was a little disappointed. I've only watched one. Yeah. So I watched the four episodes and wanted more that was the only shitty thing about it is i wanted to hear more but it's all about hip-hop and how it's evolved another netflix original that i started watching this weekend is the oa it's kind of like a mysterious thriller about a girl who went missing for seven years she then returns she was blind at one point is no longer blind yeah, I don't want to spoil too much. It's definitely you already did. That's a spoiler out. alert, right? No, it's, that's not really a spoiler alert. <laughs> watch it's the trailer. Really You'll understand right. nothing. It's really good. Yeah, the trailer doesn't explain much, but I think it's definitely Is this stuff new? Watching. Did it just come out? It just came out this week. So those are my three picks. 
Stacy, I uh, want to thank you for joining us on today's episode. It was a pleasure having you to join us. Welcome Thanks to for San Francisco. Yeah, welcome to San Francisco. That is a big thing. Yeah, I'm definitely. excited to be. Where can people get in touch with you? Let's do Twitter. That's the easiest. So Stacy, uh, S-T-A-C-Y, Londoner, L-O-N-D-R-E-R. Yeah, if you get Stacy London, that is someone else. I found that out. She's a fashion person, and she's not so nice sometimes to people, but... Stacy Londoner, nice all the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one you want to follow. Not the fashion person. Let's follow the right one. Before we end the episode, where can people get in touch with the rest of the panelists? Brian? Smoke signal. I guess Holt BT. Derek? I was going to say the best way to get in touch with Brian Holt is just to tweet about how much they hate IDs and CSS and you'll, you'll find him, you know, he'll respond to that. I will respond to that. At Derek Showers for me. And I'm at Burgess D. Ryan. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure to rate us on iTunes and Google Play and subscribe to the Front End Happy Hour podcast on your favorite podcast catcher. Follow us on Twitter at FrontEndHH and have a happy holidays and a happy new year. I'm impressed that we've made it a full year of uh, recording the episodes and we've survived a lot of great times. We've had a blast recording all the episodes and we look forward to a whole new year of episodes in 2017.